Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's topic, insist on behavior while assisting. Here we go. Folks, we encourage you to take a look at our Effective Manager and Effective Communications conferences. A lot of folks have listened to podcasts, and the podcasts are there for free, and yet many managers say to us they had no idea the depth we would get into at the Effective Manager and Effective Communications conference, and we encourage you to come. Come to the website, learn more, uh, come to the forums, and see the comments of people who have been and loved it. We have MPS scores well above 50, which is something to say. If you don't know what MPS is, you should. I've said this to others and to you uh, many, many times, and that, that one of the things I learned most about management from you is the focus on behaviors. And the best way to help colleagues and fellow managers with their employees is to insist on behaviors. And unfortunately, most managers don't think that way. Yeah, we recently talked about in documentation cast about the problems that managers create when they try to get help. And HR gets a bad reputation because the manager doesn't have any documentation. And they can't even describe what the direct actually did. You know, the manager just goes, says, I've had it with this guy. And it's a bunch of comments that are essentially not helpful. And because HR actually wants behavior, because legal wants behavior. And, of course, the manager then goes back to his or her desk and says, yeah, you can't fire anybody around here. <laughs> yeah. And if, and if you describe uh, your employees like that to HR, they should prevent you from doing so. They serve a good purpose there. Yeah. That made me realize that we've never done a cast about insisting on behavior. We'll do a cast later about how HR can help and what you need to do if you're an HR or if you're a manager, how you can interact with HR. But yeah, we've got three recommendations today for those of us whose colleagues come to us and say, hey, what would you do? Or I can't believe this guy, whatever. And the three steps are, first of all, don't accept characterizations from a fellow manager of their directs because they're wrong, usually. Secondly, you want to be particularly aware of emotionally charged discussions and there's a way around that. And then the third thing we need to do is ask for behaviors. That's the key. Yeah. The first point of not accepting characterizations is, is a good one. Because that's usually what you get, right? Oh, yeah. I would say it's not even usually, right? It's 98% of the time. Yeah. It's, it's almost always. <laughs> almost. Yeah. I mean, when you think about it, folks, most of us day to day in our lives don't think about behavior. We think about how we feel or what they did, how what they did makes us feel. But pretty quickly, once you get into the feeling of it, you can't actually describe behaviors. And for the record, for the billionth time, behaviors are the words people say, how they say them, their facial expressions, their body language. And then at work, it's their work product, which is to say they're the quality, quantity, accuracy, timeliness of their work and also their documentation. It's even worse than, than describing how it made them feel, how, how it made the, the manager talking to feel, right? Because they, they get into this, I call mind reading, right? They start getting oh, into, yeah. you know, what was his intent or what was, you know, her attitude or, you know, even worse, what her motivations were to have done that. Or, yeah, you know, exactly. Mental state, rational, all that kind of stuff. And that's, that's even worse than describing how exactly. you feel. We interact only with people's behaviors. You don't interact with people's personalities, and personalities are the worst thing in the world to try to judge or use or predict or whatever. You know, but what happens is people literally see the behavior, hear the behavior, note the behavior, and then say, well, I can guess what personality caused that. And then even worse, in some cases, the people who think they're smart interpersonally or have, no offense, folks, psych degrees, then say, oh, yeah, I understand how they were raised or what the genetic bracket is or why they've, why they've done that. And then what they do is they project forward two weeks and they say, well, based on what I know about their genetics, what I know about the way they were raised, what I know about their personality, therefore, I can predict their behavior. 
But right. of course, the whole model of DISC teaches us that you don't need to do all that guessing and inferring and so on because you stink at it and the behavior is going to be the same in two weeks anyway. And what managers try to do is think forward two weeks and go, how can I fundamentally change their personality? How can I change their environment? Well, frankly, even if their personality changes, if their behavior doesn't, you won't be satisfied. Yeah. Do me a favor. Give, give me some examples of, yeah, okay. of the kind of things people hear, just to make this crystal clear. Yeah, so I say to Mike, well, Mike and I are colleagues. I plop down at his desk at 5.30 in the afternoon. Actually, I plop down in his cube. He's sitting there <laughs> saying, hey, man, how's it going? What's up? And I say, you're not going to believe what Ronaldo did. The guy is incapable of making decisions. He sent me another long-winded email that didn't move things forward at all. Man, he frustrates me. Yeah. Or I'll say... Hey, dude, Karen is at it again. She comes to me with a problem and completely misrepresents everything and leaves it out there for me to solve. And then I go to him the next day and say, dude, what would you do if one of your guys kept acting superior and had an attitude of entitlement? Sure, the guy's been here forever, longer than me maybe, maybe even longer than you, but that doesn't mean he gets to act as if he's in charge. Or, hey, I hope you had a better day than I did. I have three people who basically wait for me to make all the decisions. They're uncomfortable with change, even though they know well, we're doing a big turnaround this quarter, and I've asked them a million times, please change. Or I say, I need some help. I got a guy, Gerald, you know him, who is constantly blaming other people for his issues. What would you do? The last one's a little bit better than the previous ones, but they're, but they're all characterizations. And I wouldn't be surprised if a large number of our listeners said to themselves, yeah. like, what's wrong with, what's wrong yeah, with those totally questions? That, that's the way we talk to one <laughs> yeah, another, that's okay. right? Well, well the way you, if, if that's true, the way you talk to one another is wrong. No, it's not wrong. It's just not effective. Look, things like incapable and making decisions, those aren't behaviors. Uh, didn't move things forward, frustrates, completely misrepresents everything leaves it out there for me to solve. These are all euphemisms and characterizations, okay? Uh, acting superior, attitude of entire entitlement, act as if he's in charge, wait for me to make all the decisions, uncomfortable with change, okay? Constantly blaming others. None of those are behaviors. Here's a problem. If you take those characterizations and you treat it as if it's a problem you can help this person solve, you are, you, you have yeah. a problem, it's uns they're unsolvable. I remember I was in algebra class, this was what, seventh grade, I guess, and the teacher said, if you have three variables, you have to have three equations. So if you ever see a problem with three variables and two equations, you won't be able to solve it. You could solve it for one of the other variables, but you won't be able to figure out what the, all three variables are, unless one of the variables inevitably is x equals zero, if that's one of the, the equations, even though in a three-variable equation, if one of the equations is x is zero, you still won't be able to solve for y and z. And same thing true here. If you don't have behaviors, you can't help your buddy solve his or her problem. The reason you can't help is simple. You don't know what actually happened. Look, imagine the VP of sales came back from a big presentation, said to his boss, the CEO, hey, we didn't win that bid. They just don't like us. Something was off the entire meeting. Do we really think that the CEO would say, oh man, sorry to hear that? No, he or she would be digging. What, what, do, you, what do you mean by off? They don't, they don't like, us, like us. What, what does that mean? What did they, in fact, what they say? Tell you what the CEO would say, what did they do? Yeah. You know? And of course, that's the, that's the key to this whole thing. We'll talk about it in a minute. And the answer to get back is, well, I don't really know. It's just a, feel, yeah, just yeah. a vibe I got. Well, <laughs> you'd hope a VP of sales wouldn't say that, right? But if he or she did, 
they might not be VIP of sales for very long. Basically, all these scenarios are a variation on how the person speaking feels about what the other person did. And that dynamic is flawed because of what we know is called the fundamental attribution error and also behavioral diversity, which we learned from DISC. Okay. Well, you got to explain the fun fundamental yeah. attribution error. I've actually talked about it several times. I've alluded to it. I mentioned it one time in things I think I think because it's just, it's so huge in psychology that you just can't, you can't avoid it. It's well known, well documented. Basically, it says that when we evaluate other people, we tend to describe what they do as part of who they are. But when we talk about ourselves, we ascribe our own actions to the situation we were in. Put differently, we overemphasize character traits and personalities when we view and describe and, and of course, therefore respond to other people. In our own actions, though, we overemphasize the situation we were in to justify the behaviors we engaged in. That's especially true when we deviate from our normal patterns or our behavior leads to less than great consequences or hurt feelings or whatever. Listen, here's what it boils down to. When someone else does something wrong, we blame them. When we do something wrong, we blame the situation. We give ourselves a pass. <laughs> the other person doesn't. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Then you take that, that concept, and you marry it with behavioral diversity, and you see why the idea of characterizations doesn't work. Behavioral diversity teaches that when you evaluate somebody else's reasons for doing something, the reasons you infer are the same ones you would have had in order to do what they in fact did. That's important because we all behave differently because of different reasons. That means we're only going to be right when you're making attributions and evaluating somebody who is not behaviorally different from you. And that only happens like 25 to 30% of the time based on DISC. Yeah. And DISC helps you um, significantly in terms of understanding this. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. If, you, if a forceful, take no prisoners, action oriented, task oriented, dominant high D sees someone taking a long time to make a decision, he's likely going to assume that person is stalling or uninterested or blowing something off because that's why they themselves would take a long time to decide things if they ever do. But to an analytical, perfectionist, dot your I's, cross your T's, conscientious high C, taking a long time to make a decision is completely normal. And none of the attributions of the high D are accurate. Yeah. And going fast would be a bad thing. Right? Exactly. So when the high D sees somebody going slow, they believe the rationale is inherently wrong. To the high C, the, ra the rationales they have for going slow are inherently right. So if you start judging their care, if you start judging and characterizing what they're doing, you're actually not characterizing what they're doing, you're characterizing their intent, you're then going to have an emotional response to something that doesn't even exist. Okay? And think this. Think about those directs, the examples we mentioned earlier, and suppose they were you that they were talking about, those two people. Mike and I were talking about you. You or Ronaldo or Karen or whomever. Okay? Your boss goes to one of his peers and says you're unmanageable, going around, making decisions, taking risks that you shouldn't. Would you really want your boss's buddy to answer your boss's request for help knowing only what your boss characterized what you did? Nobody wants that, and yet we all do it. I've done it tons of times. So the key, guys, is don't accept attributions. Don't accept characterizations. You're going to be wrong if you give advice. And advice is a much lower standard. You sure as heck oughtn't to be making recommendations, even to a buddy, even more so to a buddy, based on that kind of weak data.
So let's go on to your, your second point, right? Which is <laughs> situations where the situation's emotionally charged. You, you have to be really aware at that point. Yeah, it's probably obvious. We, we alluded to it with some of the comments, the examples we used above. When your colleague comes to you and is angry or frustrated, their characterizations are even more likely to be problematic. They're going to overstate what the person's intent was. They're more likely to judge it even har more harshly negative. They're far more likely to find illicit rationales for, for what amounts to now malfeasance if they're angry. And they're far more likely, in order to justify their anger, to confound your recommendations by changing the situation they've described. Oh, I didn't forgot to tell you this. Or when you suggest they do X, and hopefully you know that would be ill-advised at this point, they'll tell you why you're wrong or tell you more about the person, sometimes with another example not previously mentioned, sometimes with more character attacks on the person being discussed that essentially obviates your guidance. You're not going to win. You may not be able to get them to a place where you can have a professional conversation with them. Guys, we're not suggesting they're flaming mad, but it frankly doesn't take much frustration or anger or desperation in our experience watching managers for a manager or professional to confide in a friend, colleague, you, in a way that precludes you from being useful. That said, there are two things you can do. First, if you sense that they're technically asking, what would you do? But basically what they're doing is venting. Just go along. Validate how they feel without giving them any guidance. So, guy comes in, you say, I know how you feel, dude. All right, stinks to be you. Or, that's not cool what he did there. Not cool. I understand why you feel that way. It's almost feel felt found here. Almost, yeah. Man, I, I know how you feel. I felt that way too. Except leave the part, here's what I did. Yeah, well, yeah, no, I say, and here's what I found. Time to start drinking or, you know, whatever. I mean, time to breathe in, breathe out, move on, as Jimmy Buffett would say. You could say, totally see your point, my friend. Totally get it. Been there myself. Been there, done that. Got the t-shirt. Any of those things. Generally, our guidance is, no matter what they say, agree. And frankly, that may be what they want. And if they want guidance you're not going to give it to them anyway based on what you know thus far. So if you're not going to give them guidance, you might as well just agree. Okay. Well, what if they insist? Then what do you do? Yeah. Well, then you use the second tool, which is insisting on, you insist back on behavior and therefore you ask for behaviors. If you're going to give guidance, it makes no sense to accept two equations for a three variable problem. You need as many equations as you have variables. And this is like the most anticlimactic cast perhaps ever. You say, <laughs> dude, I hear you, I feel you, been there, done there, got, done that, got the t-shirt. What do they do? What do they say? How do they say it? Repeat it back to me. Now look, you may have to ask two or three times. They're gonna probably respond, I just told you what they did, right? I, ju I just told you. Uh, okay, uh, maybe I didn't hear you. You don't want to directly contradict them if they're a little bit pissed. You say, okay, well, sorry, I must have missed it. What did they say? Well, they were being obnoxious. Okay, dude, just between you and me, they didn't say obnoxious. What did they actually say? What did they actually do? How loud did they talk? Where were they sitting? And you're going to find that a great many people that you thought actually really wanted advice after we told you just to go along and humor them, when they say, no, 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 I insist, when you start asking these questions, they're going to walk away from it in a thousand different ways. They may, they may say, whatever, 
you know, I don't know what you're, what are you asking for, but trust me, the guy's a pain. Yeah. That's your clue to stop. <laughs> and yeah. And, and then at that point you absolutely say, yeah, dude, I, I agree with you. Total pain because you're not invalidating what he's feeling or what she's feeling. You're not disagreeing that they went through what they went through in your own mind. You're saying I'm unwilling to make a recommendation to a colleague without knowing the facts that bear on the case, which in this case, three variables, three equations. In this case, it's behavior. So what are the behaviors? Yeah, it's like a detective walking up to a crime scene and asked one of the, the, the witnesses what happened and said, yeah, the guy, he killed him. He's dead. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Well, to jail he goes. Enough. All right. Yeah. <laughs> here's, here's the technique that I use. The first thing I do is I say, okay, I feel you. In other words, I generally agree. Those of you who have listened to our cast about the medicine ball know how powerful it is when you're answering questions in a, in a presentation and you, you diffuse the energy of the attacker by stepping back and essentially not engaging in a, in a counterattack. And you say, yeah, I feel you. I get it. And then you start your process. You say something like, help me a little bit here. Okay, so I've diffused it by saying, help, I get it. Or words to that effect. And then I say, help me a little bit here. And by the way, it doesn't, it doesn't do any good to say, help me. Help me a little bit or help me out here. Those are softer characterizations or um, verbalizations. Then I walk right through the line of questions. What did he say? Well, he's loud. Blah, blah, blah. No, no, dude, seriously, seriously. What did he say? What words did he use? Okay. Hopefully you'll get something. If he, Again, to your earlier point, right? If you don't get that after a couple of questions, you, you know, okay, then just agree with them again, flatter them, whatever and walk away. But if you start to get something, what did he say? Okay. And then the next question is, how did he say them? The first one is words he says. Second one is how he says those words. Uh, and then what were his facial expressions? How did he look? Was he, did he look angry? Was he laughing? Was he smiling? Was he really intense? And generally facial expressions are harder for people. Words they can usually repeat. Oftentimes email is an easy way, an easy easy thing. It's not a, reading an email is not a characterization. It's actually those are the words they said or the the words they type. Yeah, what did he do that made you think he was angry? Like, did he clench his fist and like wave it in your face, or <laughs> or did he just knit his eyebrows? <laughs> yeah, and here's what I have found. I have found that it's better to not give them examples like did he wave his fist because. I hear an awful lot. He might as well have. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now, oh, look, if you want to ask that, you can. Did he, did he stand up? Did he move towards you? And if they say, oh, he might as well have. Say, well, okay, he might as well have. Did he? <laughs> and look, part of this is, we talked about anger a minute ago and frustration. If you start talking that way, if you start talking about behaviors, it engages the rational side of their brain and engages the memory uh, relative to analyzing what happened. And you get them out of the emotional response of, I don't like that guy. So taking time and asking 10 questions like, what did he say? How did he say it? Was he talking fast? Was he talking slow? And as a general rule, guys, if you're doing this, if you're trying to leach some of the energy out of a conversation, it's way better to get softer and slower and more relaxed, you high D, high eyes, rather than acting like a prosecuting attorney throwing questions at a witness, take your time, meander a little bit, pause a little bit, use the one breath rule, which is also a podcast, to help you slow down. So what did he say? How did he say it? You know, tell me about, how did he look? Where was he? Where did this happen? 
And, right. Where does it happen? Often causes them to immediately create a picture in their mind, and then that makes it easy for them to to think about what they were actually doing. It starts the video replaying, which is what you're hoping they'll do, is describe the video as opposed to how the audience felt about the movie. And then the last thing you say is, okay, tell me a little bit. Where was he off? And, and in your mind, you're thinking quantity, quality, accuracy, timeliness, and also work product. Okay. I'm sorry, not also work product, also documentation. I just went through all of the parts of work product. So that's what you do. And one of two things is going to happen. Either you're going to get them or you're not. If you ask a total of 10 questions and you don't get any behaviors, you might as well just humor them. It's just not going to happen. If you do start getting behaviors, that's for a later cast. But basically what you've got to do is talking about what they actually did. And of course, what, what, what he wants, what she wants, is for them to change what they did next time. And so the question becomes very quickly, how could you help them see what they did and change what they do next time in that situation? Which of course, whether they believe it or not, is the core of the manager tools feedback model. And you're going to be able to tell us how to do all that in like the next 30 seconds, right? Yeah, sure I can. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Sure. Just snap my fingers and tell you to listen to about 20 casts on the feedback model. For those of you who know the model, hey, look, here's what I would do. I'd take him aside and say, hey, can I talk to you about what happened the other day? Sure. When you do X, here's what happens. Can you change that for me? That's all. Soft, easy, casual, no big deal. And you tell him. The Ozan rule of giving feedback was, is if you can't chuckle when you give feedback, you are not in the right frame of mind to give it. Pretty yeah. simple. Yeah. You ask for behaviors. And if you get behaviors, you might be able to help. In many cases, you won't. In those cases where you do, you can suggest feedback. And then depending upon the situation, there's more complex things you could do. And in many of your cases, you're quite accomplished managers. Tell them what you would do when you've been in that situation before. Or you could tell them to come to Manager Tools and ask the forums. So that's a good idea. Just remember, don't try to solve a problem with three variables and two equations. The ultimate equation is the one about behaviors, and it's usually left out. So wrap up. Don't accept characterizations. They're, wrong. They're usually wrong because of fundamental attribution error and because of behavioral diversity. Beware of those emotionally charged discussions and step away from them when you can. And then remember, ask for behaviors. Words people say, how they say them, facial expressions, body language, and work product, which is quality, quantity, timeliness, accuracy, and documentation. Guys, one of the reasons we get into arguments with our peers about their directs is that we accept their characterizations as facts, and they're not. We respond to their energy and try to support them without ever really knowing what the direct actually did. Stick with the facts ask for behaviors, address those. Your friend won't feel as good, but if that's what you're shooting for, take him to the bar and you came to the wrong <laughs> place for guidance anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my friend. Thank you. Anytime, partner. Happy to do it. All right. We'll see you. Thanks, everyone. That's it. We'll see you next week. Have a great one. It's so long.